Would you open your Bibles to Psalm 91? You've heard the expression, when it rains, it pours. And I have felt, and I only say this because I know you love me, I have no problem saying it. I have felt that it's been raining. Like forever. <laughs> Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. Under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart and you will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will, this is a song of the children today, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you'll not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent because he loves me, says the Lord. I will rescue him. See that? Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. And I will be with him in trouble and I will deliver him and honor him with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Hallelujah. Psalm 91 is a psalm of refuge. Psalm 91 is a psalm that proves that God knows what we go through. And the beautiful thing about what we go through is the fact that he said he'll be there. He'll be there with us. He'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. He who dwells, okay? 
The word dwells, I've got to share it with you this day. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Sister Amy, does that mean the church? Does that mean the religion? No. It means where your spirit hides. You see, folks, I love church, and God told me to start this church. And I trust his command, and I have obeyed it. But don't ever think that this place can take the place of your relationship to God. Don't ever think that this is maybe a little religious badge that you put on. Or maybe a spiritual shower that you take every now and then so your spirit can feel a little revived. This is a good place to be, don't get me wrong. I told you what the church is all about. The church is about edification. And what does that mean? It means learning and growing in God. Hearing things you don't hear normally. Hearing things they don't explain on the job. Hearing things that sometimes as families we don't go into. We should, but we don't. So the house of God becomes a very special place. It becomes a place where we will hear from God. But you know something? When you get home today, I shared that with my Sunday school class. Find time for God. It is so important that you find time for God. You say, Sister Amy, but isn't this enough? No. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. He who's hidden in a special place. He who knows he's made inroads with God. He who knows he's got a relationship that's close and tight. He who dwells. You gotta dwell, folks. You gotta be able to tell God quietly and personally, I love you. You've gotta be able to have time apart from all the religious time you do have. He who dwells. You know what it means to dwell? It's where you live. It becomes your home. It's your habitat. It's that which is yours. He who dwells. You know, we, we sometimes are so flippant. We sometimes are so, in Spanish we say, por encimita. You know, we take everything uh, uh, just off the top, off the surface. There are promises of God that don't belong to us unless we dwell in him. There are promises of God you can't claim unless you dwell in him. There are promises that you can't even recite unless you dwell in him. Sister Amy, how do you dwell? You dwell in God by first of all acknowledging how much he loved you and coming to him through Christ the Savior. And once you've got that together, it means from then on in, you got a lot of private conversations going. You got a lot of beautiful moments going. You've got a lot of things uh, happening in your life between you and God. It's interesting because sister asked a question in Sunday school class. And she says, you know, not everybody that says they know God or love God or are called of God. She says, I hear some people say it and, and I reject what they say because, well, because they just don't live it. And it's interesting because you know what the word of God says? I love the Bible. The Bible doesn't leave anything out. Do you know what the Bible says about people? 
You'll know them by their fruit. It's not pears and peaches and uh, watermelon and cantaloupe. You'll know them by their fruit. What is fruit? It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's what your heart gives forth. It's what your heart turns out. It's what your heart has to offer. Have you ever met people that you don't want to be with them because they're so bitter? Have you ever met people that are so negative that you want to walk the other way? Have you ever met people that really upset your whole day? They lack fruit. They lack fruit. And let me tell you something. Fruit is obtained through surrender. He that dwells. The dwelling place is a place of surrender. Don't cheat yourself of God's promises. Don't cheat yourself of the light of God's word. Don't cheat yourselves of promises that are yours forever. But you got to dwell. You say, Sister Amy, uh, are you talking about holiness? No, I'm not talking about holiness. I'm talking about togetherness. Okay? And in that togetherness, we will become holy. But people are only interested and they say, well, I want to become holy. And so we go around thinking, what is it that makes us holy? No, no, no. What you need is a togetherness with God. When you've got a togetherness with God, that togetherness produces holiness. And that is the production of the fruit of the Spirit. You will know them by their fruit. You'll know them. And Jesus says, hey, if you plant this, you can't get something else. You're only going to, whatever you plant, that's what you're going to get. You say, Sister Amy, you know, I've got problems with that. Because my nature is a, it's, it's sometimes a, a little ugly, and it's sometimes a little warped, and it's sometimes a little bitter, and it's sometimes, but, you know, I've gone through some hard times. I, I don't want to sit there and grin at the world. Uh, I, 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 I've had my share of everything. I've had it. Well, you're one of those people that we have to ask the Lord to help because we don't want to be near you. Yeah. You see, life is so difficult as it is. Get next to a person that's only whining and whining. You hug them in your arms and you say, I love you, and you pray for them. And the next time you see them, they're still whining and pining. And you wonder, did you pray right? Did you pray wrong? What went wrong? And finally you say, Lord, I commit it to you. He that dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. Now, I want to just explain this. To have a refuge and to have a fortress does not mean you do not have the pains of life. It's interesting. In the Old Testament, there are a group of 10 cities called the cities of refuge. And the cities of refuge were established by God so that people that committed crimes that they didn't mean to commit, okay? Uh, let me give you an idea. Your acts uh, fell out of your hand and ended on your co-worker's head, opened his head, and he died from that. Well, no one was around to see whether you hit him with the axe or if the axe, but God knew. And so he established cities of refuge. It was interesting. 
It was interesting. God established cities of refuge, and I'll tell you why. Because we don't have too much mercy. We, by nature, are not merciful. By nature, we can condemn. By nature, we will just sit on people. By nature, we will tear them apart. God said, now, wait a minute. We've got to make cities of refuge. So anybody that did something they didn't mean to do will have a place to hide. I want to spiritualize this for us. There are so many things in our life that we've done. There are so many people we've failed. There are so many children we've failed. There are so many situations which we didn't give them the importance it had to be given. And because of that situation, we are in trouble. And I thank God because the ten cities of the Old Testament, which are called cities of refuge, the New Testament wraps them all up in Calvary. And praise God for that. You say, what do you mean by that? We can go to Jesus with whatever has happened. The cities of refuge had their purpose. They had their meaning. They had their place. It was a hiding place. I like the thought of that because God has meant and God knows our need to hide. And when I say hide, I mean just that. Have you ever wanted to run away? Anybody want to take a long walk and not come back? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, we've got a traveling church. Oh, I love you. I love you because that's the way life is. That's the way life is. You walk out of your house and you say, you wish you could walk forever and not come back. But you know, God is saying, I've got cities of refuge for you. I've got a place where you can be. I want to talk this morning as I'm sharing with you on the mercy of God, on a God that has a hiding place for us, a God that no matter what happens, he said he will overshadow us. He is the almighty one. He will be with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. But we must dwell. And not only must we dwell, but we've got to understand what his plan for us is. Surely he will save you from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence. And he will cover you with his feathers. And under his wings you will find refuge once again. We are using, I know, I, I know the use is figurative. I know the use is uh, the art of literature. But I've got to tell you something. The basic truth is not that. The base, basic truth is that God will hide you under his wings. If you need him, he will be there for you. Let's go on. And he said, uh, and you will fear. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings he, you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Folks, do you know how faithful God is? Does anybody here know how faithful God is? Yes. Jesus is taught to us in the book of Hebrews. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in him there is no change. The word of God teaches us openly and clearly that he will not let us go. Folks, we need a refuge. Life holds too many pitfalls. Life holds too much that we did not know. 
I shared in teaching last week that when we talk about the will of God, when we talk about that special place of the will of God, it becomes such a hassle in our minds. And I'll tell you why it becomes a hassle. Because we see everything. Listen to how we see everything. We see everything for today. And we imagine. We make up how it'll be for tomorrow. That's part of the dream. That, that's, that's part of the runaway process of uh, thinking. Now the word of God simply says to us, and it's so important that we know that. When we go to him and we say, thy will be done, you got to let go, folks. You deal with today and a dream of tomorrow. When God purposes his will in our life, he saw our yesterday, okay? And he didn't hide it. We tend to hide our yesterdays. We tend to give it the ostrich treatment, put our head in the ground and say, I don't even want to remember my past. He deals with that past. He deals with the future. And he deals with eternity. That's why you can trust him. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows all about eternity. He's made it the place for us to go to. He has promised to be our refuge. We've got to trust him, folks. There is no way we are going to make it without trusting him. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the most high your dwelling, listen to this, if you make the most high your dwelling, even the Lord, who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. You say, Sister Amy, I don't believe that. I know the problem you have with it, so you don't have to hide. I know the problem you've got with it. Because we have seen saints go through hell. We have seen saints uh, go through trials uh, that we could never understand. And then it says here, no harm will befall you. It, it, you know, there's such a contradiction. I think one of the most difficult times in my entire life was the day I was at the house of a precious saint. And we were going to eat there, but she had come home late. And all of a sudden, I could hear noise in the hall. And I said to Joe, I said, Joe, that sounds like sister. But it sounds like she's either crying or singing. I can't understand. So Joe ran down, and there she was, literally turned upside down, an addict had seen her come into the building with her groceries and with her little pocketbook under her arm. But what they didn't realize was that the little pocketbook had a long, long strap. So what she did to be able to carry her packages was to tie it through her arm. So although you could see, you could hardly notice that it was wrapped around her arms at least three or four times. 
So they waited till she got to the top of the stairs and pulled the bag. And sister came down tumbling. That day she had done visitation. That day she was in fasting and in prayer. That day she had turned her day completely into reaching out to others. Now I'm going to read you this scripture. If you'll make the most high your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Then he will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. How do you apply that to my sister, Lola? What do we say? You see, folks, whenever there's a promise, there's always a million people that said, I trusted that word and it didn't come through. There's always a million people to say that. I'm going to tell you something now. In my heart, I can't even tell you how I felt. I questioned God from the very most, from the innermost parts of my being. You think Job had complaints. I can't even start to tell you. But I will tell you this. She was taken to the hospital and spent over seven months and another six months just trying to walk again. Okay? And whenever I would say, Lord, why? My precious sister Lola would say, he knows why. I don't have to know it. He knows why. You see, that's the heavy part. Because that doesn't always satisfy me. All right? Now, I will tell you this. I don't think the South Bronx have ever, has ever known a soul winner like Sister Lola. I don't think the world has ever known a woman that intercedes for addicts as she has in her entire life. I've never known a woman that has come out of the pits of agony physically to proclaim that she is under the wings of God. Hallelujah. So as I teach you this word this morning, I am not telling you lollipops. I'm not talking jelly beans. I'm talking truth that you must accept because God is God and he has said it and this is the way it shall be. How it fans out in our life. How it fans out in our existence. How it works its way through God's eternal plan and purpose for us. I don't know, neither do you. You say, well, that, that, that's tough, sister. It's more than tough. It's rough. But I will tell you this. Our God is a God of yea and amen. Our God is a God that has given his promise and he will not fail. When he says that you will be under the hands of the Almighty, you will. And if through your walk in life there comes moments when you are ripped apart, there comes moments when it seems that God wasn't there. When there comes moments when you say, wait a minute, uh, I've praised, I've worshipped, I've lived, now what? Remember this. He's God. And somehow or other, <laughs> he knows what he's doing. I don't know what he's doing. But I can't even try to fathom 
knowing the mind of God. I can't fathom it. But I do know this, my precious people. He's given us a word filled with promises. And we must lean on those promises. And he will see us through. He says he'll never leave us and he never will. Whether it be the agony of traction in Lincoln Hospital. Whether it be six months of not even being able to move out of bed. Whatever it is. I am having a whole new assessment of scripture for myself in these days. And probably a preacher can only preach what's happening in her or his life. At the end of Psalm 92, listen to what it says. Proclaiming the Lord, the very last verse, okay? Proclaiming the Lord is upright. He's my rock. And there's no wickedness in him. Say amen. I want you to repeat that. There is no wickedness in him. There is no wickedness in him. There isn't, folks. There isn't, folks. You may have moments in which you get angry with God. You will have those moments. And I praise God because he lets us go through it. He lets us stand there and just yell our lungs out. What's the matter? Where were you? What's happening? But you know, when we're through with our yelling, the Spirit of God just comes close and says, I am who I am. And if I said I'll never leave thee or forsake thee, I never will. No, but we must dwell. We must dwell in the Lord. He's got to be our morning, noon, and night. He's got to be our hope and our promise. He's got to be the one to whom you commit the puzzle of life, to whom you commit the negatives of life, to whom you commit all that which is absolutely horrendous. Commit it to him. Let him take over. I've never seen a case, I never have, of trial that God does not glorify his name. I've never seen a place where when God's promises are disobeyed, it's over. God's will, God's word is disobeyed. It is over. Lou read a scripture, and I share that with you. It's Saul. God says, get rid of everything, and he says, no, we saved the best for God. That's not what God said. God said, get rid of it. Every now and then we think we can tell God, what's best for us. And I tell you today, you cannot. God will know what to do in your life. God will work his good will and his good pleasure. God will work his presence through your life. You've got to trust him. You've got to dwell in him. Folks, no time to play church. No time to be here just to be here. It's time to say, Lord, I will bury myself in your word. I will walk the walk that I want to walk with you. And you will never leave me and you will never forsake me. Our Lord wants to bless you this day. Would you just bow your heads very carefully?